And then you see a couple of your social media friends who are in step families and they make it look one way, but, but <laughs> Rainbows it's like, and unicorns. Yeah, but it's like, it, it is, it's, it's okay to just acknowledge that you don't have to act like you're one family. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 170 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. And if you like today's episode or any episodes, please shoot on over to wherever you listen and leave us a positive review. We appreciate it. And don't forget, you can also listen to it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of people do that. All right. So, David? Mm-hmm? What you got going on, man? What's going on? Uh, same old, same old. You know, just trying to make it day to day. You know, about two more months and two more weeks, you'll be a granddaddy again. <laughs> that is true. This time to a little girl. Yep. First one ever. <laughs> and not that I wasn't excited about buying clothes for Gideon, because baby clothes are just so cute. But, oh, my gosh, you can buy the little frilly dresses for the little girl. Oh, Lord. Yep. So we're going to have to separate our finances. I can see it now. <laughs> for, <laughs> wait, okay. So a lot of people separate their finances because of the stepkids. Mm-hmm. So it would be because you spend money on your kids, and I don't want my money involved. But wait a minute. These are your kids and your legal grandkids, and you're wanting to separate finances? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you spend too much money on my grandkids. <laughs> I never thought I would hear you say that. Uh, you don't no. mean it. No, well, it hadn't happened yet, but I just, I just know girls are expensive, and I'm like, you know, gotta be careful. Mm-hmm. Whatever, David. Whatever. Yeah. No. What it really concerns me is when your kid ends up having a kid, because if you're that way with mine, oh lord. Oh, I'm gonna be off the chain. Yeah, we're separating finances. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. Not very All long. Right. There are a lot of people that have separate finances. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that wish they had separate finances. <laughs> yeah. You and I have always kept our finances together. Mm-hmm. And to those that have thought about separating their finances, I tell them our story. Not the Nacho Kids story. But the story of not long after we got married, you had a motorcycle wreck. So maybe I carried a little bit more of the weight then. (laughs) You carried almost all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout our relationship, who has carried more of the weight financially has shifted. Yeah. There's there's times when you've been between jobs. Mm -hmm. And... um, and I actually left a job and went back into self-employment, which mm-hmm. was, you know, a challenge and had to have your buy-in, 
with that because there was going to be a time that, hey, there's no money coming in for me <laughs> for a period of time. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We definitely had shifts in those. But um, I, th- I think a lot of whether you mix finances or not can sometimes be based on how you view money, but can also be based on past experience. Like maybe you shared finances with your ex and that didn't go very well. (laughs) Well, okay. Two things. First of all, you and I both are frugal to a degree. Yeah. You more so than me sometimes because. All the time. No, 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 no. (laughs) I like sales. So it's rare that I pay full price for anything. Anyway, she likes, she likes big sales and she cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like free bird boots and I cannot lie. Oh, Lord. And Fluvog shoes. Anyway, but so the fact that we both are aware of our spending, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And don't bash my Amazon purchases because your toilet <laughs> paper comes from there. <laughs> it makes it easier, I think. Yeah. And, now, granted, I'm not going to say there weren't times that we would take the kids to do things, like play putt-putt, and it's a hundred bucks. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, but I'm sitting there doing the same thing. Right. Like, it's not like I'm I'm not feeling it, too, because I was like, dude, I don't want to spend that much money on 30 minutes of putt-putt. That's when we discovered geocaching. It is free. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things you need to have a conversation about. You and I had a lot of conversations about money, I think, in the beginning. More so about, you know, what? how do we view it? I don't know that we had too many conversations like, um, what are we going to do with our money? I think we, we both had, we both knew each other well enough to know that we weren't out of control spenders. We did have conversations about child support mm-hmm. because I thought that was important for us to to go ahead and have an understanding. Like when child support comes in, I didn't have to pay child support, so it wasn't a, that wasn't a conversation. I know that's a big tension for people. And like, you didn't get child support either. Right. I didn't get it and I didn't pay it. Uh, but you received child support, so we had conversations about what should happen to that money. Um, and that's never been a stressor for us. Nope. Uh, I don't know that we've ever had a conversation about it. You handle that child support the way it needs to be handled. That has nothing to do with that. We don't we don't base our lifestyle off of that money. Whether it's coming or going doesn't matter. So it's not something we have to have come in. Um, I know that there are people that get very upset with the fact that, for example, their husband is paying a thousand dollars a month in child support and it's putting a strain on their marriage. It's puts mm-hmm. a strain on their family, and I and I get that, and I'm so fortunate I didn't have to live through that. However, if I if it was something I had to live through, then that would have been a conversation I would have had with you very early on to say, right. "This is what this looks like. This is what I have to deal with. It's it's just a bill, it's, it's, I, whether it's a thousand dollar child support payment or it's a thousand dollar house payment. It's a bill that I'm responsible for, and we have to navigate that." Right. Anyway, we know that child support can be a source of contention. We know finances can be very difficult, even in a nuclear family. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my first relationship, we had money issues and it wasn't, well, I won't get into it, but let's just say. (laughs) Hypothetically. Let's just say that we had very differing views on spending. Uh, Maybe that's the best way to put it. There you go. I like that. So if you have yet to blend and you're listening to us because you know you're getting ready to blend, have these discussions. Mm -hmm. Not only the discussions of, oh, well, who's paying for groceries? For instance, if I would have paid for groceries and you and I would have had separate finances, you had four kids. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like, okay, let's say you're paying for groceries and the kids are, I don't know, six, seven years old. Well, when they become 13 years old, <laughs> they're eating a ton more food. Or what about those people where you know they weren't paying for school food, and then all of a sudden now you're homeschooling for an entire year because of COVID, <laughs> and, your, mm-hmm. and your bill goes through the roof. Or during the summertime, they're home more. There's all these other things. But it, you know, it really takes you having those conversations and understanding where where do you draw the line in finances? If you draw one at all, or do you put things together and you just have conversations about it and, and know that if we're spending money on something, we just need to have a conversation about it so we understand it. They just make sure that you have a plan and you're following that plan. I think a lot of people get in trouble with finances because they they don't plan for how they're going to spend their money. And that's why they're living paycheck to paycheck. And maybe they're, um, the amount they're spending is more than they're bringing in essentially. And, right. and just not good. And it's not a, that's not a step family problem. That's a, that's a problem period. Well, and think about it. If I would have said, okay, I'll buy the groceries and we, our finances were separate. Say we split everything else. Mm-hmm. Do I say, well, there's only, Two of us, talking about me and Jackson, and there's five of y'all. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You're going to pay two-fifths of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pay two-fifths of the groceries. But wait a minute. Your kids are only here every other week. Mm-hmm. So do I pay two-fifths of it in one week and all of it the next week? Or You know, it gets complicated. And I think a lot of times it's even not about the money. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's it's it can be resentment, it can be trust issues, it can be all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I heard somebody one time say that money is nothing more than an outside indicator of an internal position. Like, however you feel about that person, or however you are internally going, that that comes out in your views on money or your trust about money and all these things. And there might be some truth in that. Yep. And I'm not I don't want to throw out the fact that some people, you know, they they hit a patch of financial problems because of health issues. I mean, it's all kind of stuff. So, all right, let's move right along. Well, I was going to say that we do talk about this in the academy. Mhm. And we also talk about estate planning in the academy. Yep. In the academy, we cover not only how to nacho, but also discussions about finances and estate planning and things like that. Yeah, it's it's full blended family help, not just help with nacho. Right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we have people that join it and they say, you know, I, I learn more out of this course over here 
and apply that to my job and applied it to other things in my life, even more, even more than just not joining my stepkids or my significant other. <laughs> so if you need blended family help or you're about to start blending, join the Nacho Kids Academy. That is where you can get the help. Yep. That's true. That's right. true. What right. do we have today? Today we have an anonymous stepmom. She's been blending one and a half years, together almost four years. She's been nachoing about five months. Has stepdaughter 19, stepdaughter 16, stepson 12, bio daughter 9, bio son 6. Okay. The hardest part of her blending? Difference in parenting and expectations. Mm-hmm. Also, coming into the stepkids' lives at older ages. <laughs> Did you interview yourself on this one? David. <laughs> hey, that's what I should do. I should interview myself. Today, we have stepmom Lori. Hey, Lori, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, I like how you changed your voice there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have to tell you all something really quick that's not related to this. I actually went to a court case one time, and the guy represented himself, and he would ask himself a question, then go run on the stand and sit and answer the question. It was crazy. <laughs> that would have been fun to watch. Oh, it was. It was very entertaining. Okay. Best advice, step families are not nuclear families, and that's okay. Yeah. That, that last little bit, <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. And don't compare your blend to nuclear families or even other step families. Yeah, I was going to say, don't compare it to nobody. Y'all, comparison really is the thief of joy. Well, not only that, but you don't have all the information. <laughs> so I can have a great day, and I can feel good about our family, and I can feel good about our jobs, and then... All of a sudden, I see somebody post on Facebook, oh, look at this nice beach house we just bought. And that jealousy starts creeping in. Does Stop. It? Stop. You don't know how much that person's in debt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And when I see that, I'm like, poor, poor people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it can. And you also don't understand the complexities around that. In other words... Yeah, certainly on Facebook, everybody's putting, usually putting their best life forward. You know, you don't realize they're fussing and fighting all the time about finances because they can't afford things because they're over, you know, overextended. Or they got all the stuff, but then when you talk to them, the wife's like, you know, we really just like roommates. We don't really talk to each other and all that. And, you know, yeah, we go places, but we go two separate directions when we get there. And you're like, wow, that's a... Kind of terrible. So, yeah, comparing your life and lifestyle to somebody else's, you know, I, I've been to places where people had multi-million dollar homes and couldn't even afford to pay the power bill. <laughs> it's like, why are you in that kind of a house? Scale back down some to where you can have a good quality of life. I couldn't live in a house like that. And well, the reason no being, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> But the reason being is, number one, I don't want to clean a 7,000-square-foot house. Mm -mm. Number two, I would be afraid to 
touch anything. Like, if the floor got messed up, it would make me sick. Our house is lived in. (laughs) It is not a Martha Stewart home. You will not see our house in better homes and gardens. We live here. (laughs) All right. You ready to get to listening? No. Oh, we'll keep going. Yeah, I'm ready to get listening. All right, folks. Let's jump into today's interview then. Today, we have an anonymous stepmom. Hey, stepmom. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So how long have you been blending? We have been blending for about a year and a half. We've been together almost four years, but not blending, living together, married, all of that for about a year and a half. Oh, so you're new. New, yes. And fortunately, I found nacho about a year into blending. So I've been nachoing for about five months, six months. Okay. And how many stepkids, bio kids, all that good stuff? So I have two bio kids. I have my bio daughter, nine, and I have my bio son, six. And then I have three stepkids. I have stepdaughter, 19, stepdaughter, 16, and stepson, 12. Okay. And how often do you have them? We have them when my husband is off. So typically during the school years, that's every weekend. So like a Friday evening to a Sunday evening or a Monday morning in the summer, his schedule changes a bit. So it's really around his schedule when he's off of work. And so it's a, it's a little bit more hit and miss in the summer. And it just depends on his schedule. Okay. And by a mom, I guess she works with him with that and doesn't give him a hard time. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility there, and it's never really been an issue as far as any time that he wants them, he's able to to get them, and they work that out pretty well. That is great. Yes. So if you're ever having a bad day, remember that that is one positive thing in your blend. Yes, it is. And how often do you have your bio kids? My bio kids, we have 100% of the time. Their bio dad passed away, and so they are fully with us. Well, I'm sorry that he passed away. I know that's got to be hard for them and you. Yes, it was challenging. They were very young. So I feel a little bit fortunate in, in that area that my son, he he doesn't even have any memories of all of that. Um, and my daughter was only four. So she does have some memories, but she has adjusted pretty well. Okay. Now you've got something unique though. You were in the middle of a divorce when you became a widow, right? Yes. So that is something that is a little different in our situation. Uh, We had been married for about four or five years. And my, my first husband, he struggled with addiction and mental health issues. And I tried to help him as much as I could. And when it became apparent that I have... I've done everything that I can and I, I couldn't do anything else. I, we legally separated so that I could still, he could still stay on my health insurance and I could still try to help him without having to be under the same roof. And so we did legally separate. And during that year, he just continued to spiral and I finally had to file for divorce. And it was shortly after I filed for divorce that he did pass away. And so that was uh, an interesting time. It was chaotic. 
and I had started talking to attorneys and all of that because I started to get a little nervous about him possibly getting visitation without being supervised. Mm -hmm. And because I know you've talked a little bit about the court systems and attorneys and all of that on the podcast. Yes. I thought, I thought it was interesting because I had the, I had an attorney tell me that everything that I had filed was wrong and they were going to have to fix all of this. And interestingly enough, after he passed away, I received all the paperwork that was finalized. There were no issues. The divorce was final, but he had already passed away. So it didn't really matter. But I just thought it was interesting that everything had been done correctly. And now, had he been alive and we had to go to court and all that, sure, things could have changed. But everything was done correctly. And so technically, I'm a widow because we were still married, but we were going through the process. See, that makes me so mad that somebody would have told you that and tried to get more money out of you. Yes. I know. I couldn't believe it. It, it was shocking to me. And I, I had heard all that. And I was skeptical of, of going to attorneys anyways, because we when we did the legal separation, we both signed and we were agreeable. And he knew that he had issues and that the children were better with me. And I knew that they still needed to, to see him. And so we had all that worked out. And we went to a paralegal who helped prepare everything because mm-hmm. that's much cheaper. And the paralegal was very knowledgeable. And so when we had him do the divorce paperwork, he, everything was correct. And it it was a paralegal who did everything. So it it is interesting that that whole system, and I, and I'm, I am thankful that I didn't have to deal with that whole situation and the court system and all of that, because I I've heard that it's just awful. It is. It's, it's sad. It is really sad. Yes. So how does that work? Your, Technically not divorced when he dies, correct? Right. So I was still the the next of kin for everything. So I, I was able to tie up all of his affairs and any information or anything that was released would come directly to me. And so that helped being able to help take care of everything because we were still married. So Right. And it sounds like even though y'all had split up, that y'all had a fairly decent relationship. We did. We did because I really was trying to still help him. And he knew, he knew that I was, and we really, it's interesting because we really didn't have a lot of issues in our marriage other than his addiction. (laughs) So as far as parenting and all of those types of things, we were on the same page, but he just had this big issue with addiction that he was able to hide for a very long time. And it just slowly got out of hand and there was just nothing more that I could do. But I realized that it was beyond his control. And this is the situation that we're in. We're going to try to make the best of it. I still wanted the kids to see him, but I was very nervous about the kids being unsupervised with Mm -hmm. him just simply because of how, how he started really spiraling. But other than that, we, you know, we made it work. Right. Did he OD? He did not. Oh, good. He, it's well. I mean, you know, not good, but <laughs> yeah, it's not really clear. He was uh, he his addiction was alcohol, and so he was alone. Nobody was there, and he fell downstairs and had blunt force trauma. So we're not sure it was ruled accidental, but I feel a lot of the signs there were that it could have been intentional mm-hmm. and, but we just, we, you know, we'll never know, but he, he just had an accident related to 
his alcoholism. Right. And addiction is so hard. Not only is it hard on the person that's the addict, but it's so hard on the family. And sometimes I think it's harder on the family. Yes, it is, especially because there's just, there's not a lot you can do and you can try to help and support as much as you can. But if the person doesn't want to work on it themselves, there's just really nothing you can do. And at some point you have to make the decision. Do I want to live the rest of my life this way? Do I want to have my kids live the rest of their lives this way? Or do I have to just finally say, I, you know, I can't do this anymore. And it's, it's not an easy decision because I almost knew making that decision meant that he probably couldn't survive through life without me and without his family. So it was tough. Did you know that he was an alcoholic before you got married? I did not. We we dated for a very long time and I knew he drank and I knew that he had some issues with it, but it was also the line of work that he was in. And so I said, let's maybe try to find a new profession. And he did. He left the, the line of work that he was in where there was alcohol you know, freely available. Mm-hmm. And so he, he went into a new profession and that's where he was really, I think, able to hide it. And I didn't even realize it for quite some time. And then he would, I would catch on to it and, and try to help him and he would do a little bit better, but it was just this constant cycle of him falling back into it. Yeah. So he was good at hiding it, but I guess maybe I was a little naive about it too. But really when I had my kids that I, it became more apparent and it was more that I was like, I can't, be his mother. I can't be my kid's mother. I can't take care of myself. So when I had kids, that's when it was much harder to basically take care of him because I had two other people I had to take care of. Right. A lot of people will say, how did you not know? Right. But I get it because it's not like they come in and they're always crappy drunk. Nope. And it's not like he was out hanging out at bars or any, he, it was all with just himself, like in, in secret, basically. Yeah. So he was, it's not like he was just out on the town or anything like that. He, you know, he would probably just sit in his car after work, drink it. I know sometimes I would find water bottles that I could smell it. And so he was just putting it in water bottles, I think, to even make it less obvious. So he was just, he was hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend that she's an alcoholic and she would put vodka in her water bottle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I went to go, I said, give me some water. And she's like, you don't want to drink that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, thanks for the warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, as, and as we had, as the kids got older, what if the kids picked, picked up a water bottle thinking it was water and it wasn't. And I mean, I think he would have been more careful, but you just, you never know. He just wasn't in his right mind. Right. And then they're so used to being drunk, we'll say, mm-hmm. that you may not even realize it and let the kids get in the car with him. Yeah. That was my biggest fear is I really, and and that's when it got hard toward the end because I wouldn't allow the kids to, to drive with him. Mm -hmm. And, and then really when we separated, I was so nervous about the kids being with him alone. And so we would meet at restaurants or uh, let's see him. Sometimes he would come over or, you know, we would just try to find ways to where he didn't just pick up the kids and, and have them, and he was pretty agreeable with that. It was really just toward the end when he started 
getting worse and spiraling more. And that's when I started to get a little bit nervous. And that's when I went to talk to an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that had to be hard on you because obviously you did care about him or you wouldn't have tried to keep him on your insurance and tried to continue helping. him. Yes. I just wanted him to get better, but I just kind of had that feeling that he wasn't going to be able to. So. Yeah. So your son doesn't really remember him. No, he was only one. And your bio daughter was four. Mm-hmm. And when you started dating again, how did that look for you? And were your kids open to it? Yes. So when I was when I started dating, I was very careful not to introduce them to anybody because I didn't want to bring anyone in and out of their lives, especially my daughter, because mm-hmm. she is she was a little bit older. But she she was she very much wanted a stepdad and she wanted what her friends had, a family, you know, she just wanted that perfect family. Mm -hmm. And she knew she didn't have a dad anymore. And so she was very open to wanting a stepdad. And, and when she really didn't even know I was dating in the beginning, but my husband now, as, as we got a little bit more serious then she knew that I was dating him, even though she hadn't met him and she was just, desperate to meet him. And she just so badly wanted that. So my kids, because they, they're younger and because they don't have a bio dad, they've been very open to my husband and having a stepdad. And they just are so happy with the whole blend and the whole situation. And they, they see us as a nuclear family because that's what they want. That's what I was going to ask. Do they, or does he parent them like he's their dad? He does. He definitely I would say treats them as his own, but he also has never really tried to interfere with parenting too much. So he doesn't, I mean, he is a parent figure and and he, he will sometimes speak up and, you know, say, Hey, don't do that or whatever the case may be, but he doesn't really try to interfere too much. He kind of just lets me do my own thing and he follows my lead. So he does really support me in my parenting of them, even though his parenting style is very different. <laughs> right. And a lot of people confuse the definition of parenting, we'll say. Mm-hmm. For instance, with him, he may say, hey, don't do that if they're going to do something that's dangerous. That's, to me, not parenting. That's adulting. Oh, that's true. And yeah. discipline is what I consider parenting. Your own restriction or you lose your phone for a week. That is what I consider parenting because look at it from a babysitter standpoint. A babysitter is not going to let little Johnny run around with a knife, Mm -hmm. but she's not going to put him on restriction for it. True. And that's, that's really how he is. I don't feel like he really ever tries to discipline them, but if I discipline them, he supports that and backs it up, but he doesn't just really, he doesn't ever step in front of me or try to take the lead or anything like that. And it's, it really with my, and my son, he's, he's only six and he's pretty easygoing. My daughter is, she's nine and who she has, (laughs) (laughs) she's got a strong personality. And so sometimes she and I will really get into an argument and he'll kind of step in. And and I know that it bothers him when she'll argue with me or pop back to me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, he will, he'll just be like, Hey, you know, don't talk to her that way. But it's very rare that 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 even happens. Yeah, that's how David kind of is with Jackson. 
if Jackson's pushing me to the edge, David will be like, that's enough. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Or you need to stop. Your mama's getting ready to flip out on you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And he will, he will, uh, he will try to help her some, you know, he'll be like, sometimes he'll even go in there to talk to her and be like, I'm, I'm trying to help you. Like, I'm trying to tell you that this has never worked for you in the past and maybe you should approach it this. And sometimes she just, she'll get combative with him and they will argue a little bit, but it's pretty rare. So he really doesn't try to discipline them or anything like that, but, but they do respect him and they know that he can and, and he will, if he needs to. Right. And I think it's great when a step parent acts like, Hey, I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to discipline you, but I'm trying to keep you from getting in trouble. Yes. (laughs) And it can be the same exact thing. For instance, uh, let's say, you told your daughter to do dishes before you got home and she didn't. And he knows you're on the way home and will be home in 15 minutes. And he can say, your mom's going to be home in 15 minutes and she's going to be upset if you don't do the dishes. Yes, exactly. Or he can say, you need to get your butt in there and do those dishes like your mama said. (laughs) Yeah, which he doesn't really, he doesn't do it that way. So that's why I think it it works well on that end. We really don't have any issues with my kids and with parenting or anything like that. So that I'm thankful for. And it's easy to see which ones they're going to be more receptive to. Mm -hmm. So what about your stepkids? What is your relationship like with them? So with my stepkids, we have, a, I would say, a decent relationship. The oldest one really doesn't come around much. She's 19 now. And I, I guess it's probably always been a struggle to, to get her to come around. She would, but she would, you know, she would come sometimes, maybe not every time. And now that she's older and she has a job and those types of things, she really doesn't come too much. So really, I would say it's just the stepdaughter 16 and the stepson 12. And we, we don't have any issues as far as them being disrespectful or us having a bad relationship or anything like that. I think in our case, it's more just the awkwardness of blending two different families and them being at an older age when I came into the picture. And so there's also the differences of parenting and expectations that I think is what has created stress for me. Mm-hmm. But as far as, as conflict or anything like that, we don't have that. I would just say we just don't have a great relationship like outside of my husband being there. So when my husband has them and we are all there, it it goes fine. But we just don't really have a phone com- conversations or texting or any type of those relationships like outside of my husband. Right. And so it just, it just kind of feels like there's always just a little bit of an awkwardness there. Right. And that may change over time, but it may not because they are so much older. Yeah. I think because they're so much older and because I came into the picture so late mm-hmm. that it just, and and I and I've as I've kind of told my husband before, I've always kind of said, I know my place, I know I'm a stepmom, I know that I know what I represent. And so I think for them, they are, are fine with the situation, but I think deep down they would probably just prefer that their parents were still married, you know. When did when did they get divorced? Shoot. They got divorced, I want to say a, a couple of years before I did. So I'm not exactly sure. But I know that they also would 
there were uh, uh, multiple times of them breaking up and getting back together. And so I think in my situation, I think because they did that, I think maybe their kids always had hope that maybe they would get back together. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that the kids actually think that, but I, from my viewpoint, if you have parents who break up and get back together, I think when they finally do get remarried, that kind of represents a finality that they're not yes. going to get back together. So I think I represent whether they would have ever gotten back together or not, despite me, I think I just represent, okay, well, they're not getting back together. She's the reason why, or, you know, and so maybe I read too much into that. No, you don't. And I'm going to tell you, we see this all the time. And it's really funny because, say, by a mom can have 20 boyfriends. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't affect the kids the same way as when dad, now, by a mom can even get married, but it doesn't seem to have the same impact on the kids as it does when dad gets married. Yeah, I've heard that. And I think that I very much think that relates to our situation. And when I met my husband, his ex-wife was already living with someone and they are now married too. So, but they've been, because of the nature of my husband's work. And I think just because she's the mom and had them a bit more, I think that they're probably more natural in that relationship with their stepdad than they are with me because I came into the picture later. I am the stepmom and I don't see them as much, you know, so it's just a different dynamic. And so I feel like we just, I feel like we have that awkwardness there. Well, and you're still so new into this. Mm -hmm. So with your stepkids, for instance, you know, I came in and my stepkids were nine, 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 and actually I say 10, but Avery had just turned 11 so I had time to build that bond with them before they mm-hmm. turned into adults. Right. But your stepkids, when they do hit that adult's age and say maybe get married and have kids, you may find that your relationship with them improves. That's true. And I'm open to that. And I think from the beginning, I've always just been stepping back. I've never tried to discipline them. I've never tried to be a mother role or a, in any sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And so I've always stepped back from the beginning and I will continue to just follow their lead. So if they are ever to reach out to me for more or anything, I'm, I'm obviously going to be open to that, but I've just always taken the stance of, I'm not going to force myself on them. I'm not going to try to push anything. I will just follow their lead for the most part. And that is perfect. Because that gives you more of an opportunity to have that relationship with them in the future than if you came in dictator stepmom. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so stepdaughter 16 and stepson 12. Do you have a better relationship with the stepson than you do the stepdaughter? Or do you say they're about the same? No, I think it's probably about the same because I don't really have a relationship with either of them outside of my husband. Mm -hmm. And when they're there, we're all together. So we'll, we'll all swim or play games or something like that. So I don't feel like it's one more than the other. And it's not like you don't have family game night or anything like that and don't have any interaction with them. It's just your husband's always there. Yes, exactly. And so, and so if he's not there, then we don't have them. And I've never 
wanted to push that to have them when he's not there simply because one, I I don't, I don't want to push it on them if that's not something they want. Mm -hmm. My kids are, are completely obsessed with them. And so I do realize that my kids could kind of smother them a little bit too. And so I try to, to, I try to even sometimes just have my kids not be there so that Mm -hmm. they can have their dad without my kids there. Or, and even me, sometimes I'll even try to leave or do something just so that it's like, we're not always there because I think if I were in their position, I would be annoyed by that. (laughs) So I try to be aware of those types of things, but it is hard because my, my kids and my husband, I think they want that nuclear family. Mm -hmm. So I think they see it a little bit different than probably the way my stepkids and I see it. Well, and that was going to be the next question I asked you was the relationship with your stepkids and bio kids. And there is such a a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, even though they're only three years apart, that is a huge gap at that age. Yes. And and those two, my the nine-year-old and the 12-year-old, they do, they fight pretty, you know, they they're always arguing. And so that's a little bit of a stressor for me because I mean, it feels different when my two kids are fighting and arguing the whole time. And then when, if, if the stepson and my daughter are arguing the whole time, it just feels different. And I, I guess it's normal. Everyone says that, oh, you know, they're siblings, it's normal, but it, it can be a little exhausting. <laughs> right. And you can't really put into words how it feels different. Yes. Other than the fact of stepson is not your kid. Yeah. And I've told my husband before, because we do have differences in parenting. And one of those things is consequences. I'm very firm in my consequences with my kids and he's not that way. And so I've even, at some point I said, we just need to sit them both down and bring down the hammer on them and give them some, a a firm consequence, something that's going to at least kind of get their attention. And he just didn't really want to do that. And so I've, kind of backed off on that. And now it's like, well, if you want to hear him fight the whole time, then you can listen to him argue. (laughs) Right. It's, you know, so I've even, I try to just sometimes even just back off of stuff like that. And, and, and I, I always have conversations with my kids and I've told my husband that, that I will continue to do that. If there's something that I need to correct or something that I need to point out that, that we don't do, or that is a different expectation between the older kids and the younger ones, I point it out and I have those conversations with my kids. And what do you tell them? Well, a big thing is I just say that I'm not their parent. And I, because my daughter, like I said, she's a really strong personality. So she's the one, I mean, she will just question me and she <laughs> will call, call you out on everything. And and she's not wrong. You know? Yeah. That's the thing is a lot of times they make sense and you're like, crap. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, I see everything that you're saying. I, I see it, but I'm not the parent and I can't step in and try to be. And and I've even told her, I said, do you, how do you think that will work if I all of a sudden jump in and I try to start being a parent and give all these consequences and, and all this stuff to these kids that are not mine? I said, do you think they're going to want to come over and see us? You know, I, I try to point that out to her that I'm just going to let my husband parent and that it just, it is what it is. Life is not fair. I tell them that all the time. Mm-hmm. And you, it may not look fair, but we are two different parents and I'm not going to change my expectations because you think it's not fair. 
Right. And I just explained to her, you know, I explained having responsibility and having chores. Those are all important things for you to, to learn and they're never going to go away. You're going to have to do them as an adult. And so I'm going to continue teaching you those things. And, and if you don't want to do them, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to do them. <laughs> right. And from a standpoint of if you try to make his kids do the same thing and hold them to the same expectations, and he doesn't agree with that, it's going to affect your marriage very, very much in a negative way. That's right. And that for that first year, I feel like even though I never tried to discipline the stepkids or anything like that, I would say things to my husband. And, and so now that I've learned about the nacho process and all of that, I can see, I think the the one thing that I was really doing wrong is that I would criticize his parenting mm-hmm. and I never should have done that. It didn't help. It didn't change anything. And now I, I see that. I think my fear was that it would, my kids would resent me or look at things differently, but I just have those conversations with them and I think they get it, especially, I mean, not my son, he's a little young, but my daughter, she gets it and she, she sees now what I'm saying. So I think mm-hmm. it's just going to be continual conversations and, and I'm just, I've learned not to say anything to my husband anything that has to do with parenting in any sense or his kids, anything like that. I've just learned not to, to say anything. I've also learned that he really does have guilty parenting syndrome, or I think that's what you call it. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that. And so I, that helps me give him a little bit more grace, (laughs) I think, because now I understand what that is and the place that he's coming from and those types of things have all helped me so much this last year. Right. I'm glad that you talked to your kids about that because they need to understand that, Hey, things are different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll tell people, they'll say, well, how do I explain it to my kids? And I say the same way that you explain to them that their friend down the road, their parents let them do things that you don't let them do. Yes, And then people say, well, but we live in the same house. It doesn't matter. You still got different parents. Right. And I think that's just what is that, that is what is so freeing and what has helped relieve my stress is because when you do start blending and you, you, I don't personally have a lot of friends or family that have been in step family situations. So I really didn't know what to expect or Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And then you see a couple of your social media friends who are in step families and they make it look one way, but it's like, it, it is, it's, it's okay to just acknowledge that you don't have to act like you're one family. You know, I, I know I would sometimes feel guilt about posting so many pictures of my kids on social media, but I didn't have a lot of pictures of the step kids, but now it's like, you know what? They have parents that can post pictures of them. I can post pictures of my kids when his kids are there and we're having fun, if we have a picture, sure, I'll post it, but I don't feel the need to have to keep up that image or anything like that. Right. Or, you know, if if I want to take my kids on a, a day trip when my husband is out of town working or something like that, I don't have to feel guilt about that because we're, t- we're two different families. Right. And you meet in the middle at times. Yes. Like a Venn diagram. You have that overlap. And just like your kids are going to have a relationship with your stepkids. Yeah. And they, they have a very close relationship, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm very thankful for that because it does bring my kids a lot of happiness. 
And so that part's good. Yes. One thing I have to say is I am proud of your husband for saying, hey, I'm not comfortable with what you're wanting me to do with my kids. Yeah. Because so many times, and yeah, I'm going to say the dads will say, okay, just because they don't want to hear you talk about it anymore. They just, they cave. Yeah. But, but then it comes to it and they don't stick to that discipline. And then they're having a fight with you because you're like, well, you said that this, we agreed on this. We agreed that you would punish little Johnny in this way if he did this. And you're not. Yeah. Well, it's because he didn't agree with you in the first place. Right. And and it has helped just me not saying anything. And really, even when we, so we bought a new house when we started blending because I wanted a fresh start for, for everyone. And so we bought a new house and it works out to where the kids really each are able to have their own space and even their own bathroom for the most part, because we have extra bathrooms. And so one of the things that I had told my husband is the only things that I really want is I don't want anybody eating in the bedrooms because Mm -hmm. the builders had told us that bugs are a problem in the area and new houses. and, And we just didn't do that anyways. We didn't eat in the bedrooms. And I thought that's one thing that I really would like to push is just not eating in the bedrooms. Right. And, and the other thing is just them cleaning up after themselves because I expect my kids to clean up after themselves. And if someone makes a mess in the microwave, it bothers me that they just leave it for the next person. And so those are really the, the only two things that I was really firm on. And he did agree with those. And for the most part, he has enforced that. And, and it's not been an issue for us. I don't feel like anyone's eating in the bedrooms. He does have them clean up their bedrooms before they leave. And it's just worked pretty well for us. And and I just told myself in the beginning, I'm not going to worry about their bedrooms. I, we put the cheapest carpet in all the kids' bedrooms. And when they all move out, we're going to replace carpet and paint and window coverings. And I know there's no food in there. So what their rooms look like, I just don't worry about. (laughs) Right. And, and it's so much less stressful, isn't it? It is because now the rest of the house I do care about, but I, we have a house cleaner, which that help has helped relieve my stress because I know that it's going to come in and be cleaned. And as long as everyone's picking up after themselves, then we don't really have an issue in the main house. So those type of, those are just, you know, little things that have worked for us that he did agree with, but there were just other things that came up that I would, I would say, you know, I would kind of just question him on it and I just shouldn't have done that. And, and now I know not to do it. So we're better off. So how do you handle it when stepkid leaves a mess in the living room and doesn't pick it up? Now I just leave it and he will go, he'll go through and he'll pick it up if, or he'll, or he'll tell them to do it. It's really not often though. I feel like they're, they're pretty good about it now. I know, I think in the beginning it was a little bit of a battle, but he'll either, like I said, he'll either just ask them to do it or he will do it. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it helps because our kitchen is right by the living room. So there's really no need to make a mess anywhere in the house other than the kitchen. They can see the TV from the kitchen. And, um, but I will say the only, the only thing really is, is cups are just left around, but he'll pick them up or they'll pick them up. And I just don't say anything about it. Right. When your stepkid and bio kid do get in a fight. Mm-hmm. Do you feel you have to stand up for your bio kid and that it's always the stepkid's fault? No, I actually will say that I feel like I can see that it is 
a big part of the problem is my daughter as well. And, and so I'm very open about that with, with my husband, really anybody, my friends, my family, anybody that'll listen to me, I tell them, I know that my daughter is a big part of the problem. (laughs) Um, And so I do feel like I'm a little different maybe from others in that area, because I think a lot of times we don't want to see our kids as the problem, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think at the beginning, my daughter really wanted to have a relationship with my stepson and she, she was just so open and accepting of him. And he, in the beginning was not very receptive of it. it mm-hmm. And so I, I almost, I almost feel like she's like a scorned woman, you know, like, right. like she took offense that he was not happy about having her. And so now she's just very combative with him. And so uh, I definitely feel like it, it, she's combative with him and she irritates him. And then he will do something to her. And, and what I try to tell her, I said, you just, you take the bait, you know, it's like, if you would just ignore it or whatever the case may be, but she just can't, it's like, she, she's a big part of the problem. And so I do continually talk to her about that. I do have her in counseling as well, just for, just to make sure I'm giving her the tools that she needs to be, just to be successful. If she needs to talk about her dad or any type of issue she's having, I felt like, okay, she needs to have someone else to talk to about those things. So I feel like I I'm trying to help her and I'm aware of it, but it, it's definitely both of them. Well, I have to say, I'm really impressed with you for several reasons. Number one, you did make sure that y'all had a fresh start and had a new house because it's so hard living in the ex's home. Yes. That you didn't come in and try to take over things that you realize that sometimes it's not you, but it's what you represent as a stepmother. Yes. And, but I, I credit Nacho and you with that because in the beginning I didn't feel that way. It was after I started finding these resources that I was like, okay, even if, if they don't like me or whatever it is, it's, it's simply because of what I represent. It's nothing that I've ever done to them because I've never done anything negative to the stepkids, but I do just have that feeling that, something's missing there. And so I think you helped open my eyes to that, that it's it's like, okay, it's not me necessarily. It's just that I'm not their mom. Right, right. And it sounds like that the bio mom is, we'll just say a decent person. Mm-hmm. Do you deal with her at all? No, we don't really have any contact. I, there's just not really been a need for it, I don't think, because mm-hmm. My husband usually picks the the kids up and drops them off and they're not really in any sports or anything like that to where we would have to see each other. So it seems like we, we just don't have to have a relationship necessarily. And because the kids are older and they have their, their own phones and, and stuff like that, there's just nothing there, I guess. Right. Do you ever take the stepkids and do anything with them by yourself? No, that's, that's the thing. It's really just with my husband. I I think there's been a couple times where he's been out of town and there's been like a family function or a family party. And so I will take them to that, but that's pretty rare. That's only happened a couple of times. So it's not like, I'll just call them one day and pick them up and take them to lunch or something like that. We don't really have that relationship. And stepdaughter 19, does she live with bio mom? She does. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Again, the age thing. I know we went through this with Jackson and the kids because, for instance, if we went to Carowinds, a local amusement park, Jackson wasn't tall enough to ride the rides they were. Mm-hmm. When we took all the kids on a cruise one year, they had a blast, by the way. <laughs> but Jackson wasn't old enough to go into the teen club, I guess is what they would call it. Oh, yes, yes. And I, I didn't want him to go in the other little club by himself. Mm-hmm. So it's just that awkwardness when you do yes. have that age gap. Yes. And my daughter tries so hard to be older and to be like them. And so that gives a little bit of tension to to our blend and to me because she wants to just be like them. And, and I have to, to tell her that you're not, you're not a teenager. And I do have restrictions for her, such as a bedtime and screen limitations Mm -hmm. and all of those types of things. And she doesn't want that because she, she wants to be like the older kids, but she's more accepting of it now. I think now that we talk about it. And I think one of the other things that, that I've always done that has, has helped is I've never allowed the stepkids to be in charge of my kids, or we've never left them alone. You know, we don't have them babysit my kids or anything like that, because one, I just don't want to put anyone in that situation for something to go wrong and it be the stepkids fault or something because they're the older ones. Mm -hmm. And so I've just, from the beginning, I've just really not allowed it to happen. You know, when my husband and I go to bed, the older kids don't have to go to bed, but my kids are going to bed and they'll all usually just go to their own rooms. And so that's just something that I'm always going to stick with too, because I just don't ever want there to be a situation where something happens and because there's differences in parenting and and that type of thing, I just don't want there to be an issue there. So as much as my daughter pushes back against that, and I'm going to have to fight her on that for a few more years, I, I just don't, I don't relent on that or give into it. Right, and you don't want it to damage the relationship that she has with her step-siblings. Exactly. I know during the summer one year, I decided to pay the stepkid to watch Jackson. Mm -hmm. I gave them all the option, (laughs) and one of them's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I paid him like 100 bucks. And when I say watch him, it's just make sure he doesn't do anything he's not supposed to. Right. (laughs) and we did have cameras up in the common areas. So, and I had a camera in Jackson's room at his computer. So I could tell if he was not at his desk, I expected to see him in the kitchen or the living room because Mm -hmm. the upstairs was kind of the brothers. And so that added some comfort to it. And I remember one of the stepkids is like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not, I don't care how much you pay me. I'm not being (laughs) responsible for him. (laughs) Yes. And then the other ones, I mean, again, it was just make sure he gets lunch. Make sure y'all don't use the stove. It's just things to have an older person there. Yeah. It actually worked out better for me because I didn't have to get him up and take him to the little day camp down the road or whatever. And But they still ended up having a good relationship because I never said parent him or it was never... If he doesn't do this, you tell him, blah, blah, blah. It was just make sure he doesn't get hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we, it would be convenient, I think, in some situations to be able to just to to let them watch them. But really, even the fact that they're not really there without my husband there. And because I've always had to find someone to watch my kids anyways, it just hasn't really even been an issue for us. It's not, 
it's not like we've ever been in a bind because I, and I understand some people are in binds and they, they may not have any other options, but, but for us, it, it just hasn't come up and I'm going to just continue to avoid having it come up. <laughs> and again, I think that's very smart. I really do. And your daughter in four years, she'll be old enough to stay up a little bit later and things like that. Yeah, and sometimes I do let her, you know, sometimes my husband will be up late watching movies with the kids and and I'll just say, okay, you know, you go ahead. And she, you could just tell how happy she is because it's finally giving her a little bit. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how I've learned to parent her is just to give her a little bit. <laughs> but I still, like I said, any, any rules or expectations I have, I just have to be very consistent with, with my daughter, especially because she's just, she's a, a strong-willed one. You're going to have your hands full with that little girl. Oh, they've been full. (laughs) Well, but I'm going to tell you something. I was that strong-willed little girl. I was the one that questioned everything. I was the one. (laughs) I would convince you that your punishing me was wrong. Yeah, that sounds like her. Well, I'm living (laughs) that now with my son. But there's a difference in let's say, reining her in and stifling her. Yeah, you have to find that balance, though. And that's what's hard because, yes. you, you, you you know, it's like I do want her to question things. I don't I don't want her to just blindly do what people tell her to do. But when I'm asking her to do something and it's a battle, it's like, oh, it's hard in that moment. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can question anything in the world, but not <laughs> <Yeah>. your mama. <laughs> right. That's what you want to say. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you about this book. And I think that she's probably at the age that the book is for. But it's uh, Dr. Daniel Amen. I talk about him a lot. He helps with negative thoughts. He studies brains of, he's got like a brain institute. I'm sure it's not called that. But he studies brains of football players that have had concussions and Alzheimer's patients and all this stuff. So he's a brain expert. And one of the things he talks about is ants, which is automatic negative thoughts. And he recently wrote a book. When I say recently, it's probably been five years ago called Captain Snout and the Superpower Questions. And you can find it on Amazon or just Google it. And it's how to calm anxiety and conquer automatic negative thoughts. Oh, okay. And I feel like, I wish I'd have had this when Jackson was little, but I feel like as parents, if we can teach our kids to think more. Now, I realize their brains aren't completely formed, but they're not stupid. Right. And if you can teach her that, hey, when little Johnny, the stepson, is pushing your buttons, you're allowing him control of your emotions. Right. And that's what I try to tell her, basically. And, and But she just doesn't get it. So right. I definitely, I think reading a book or having some additional tools to, to help with her would, would be helpful. And again, I think you are great because you've got her in therapy. Yes. And I hope that it, I hope that it helps her just because I, like I said, the main thing is I, I feel like even with their dad passing away, now that she has the step family that she wanted, I feel like she doesn't even think of her dad much anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I try, I try to, to keep that memory alive, but sometimes I'll be like, Oh, do you guys want to go to the cemetery? And they're like, nah, you know? So I'm like, well, shoot, do, do they are they like pushing that away or, you know, does she want to talk about that, but not with me. But as far as I can tell, I don't even know if she's bringing it up in therapy. Like, I don't know if it's just kind of behind her. I'm not sure. 
So that's, you know, I really want to make sure she has the tools that she needs because I don't want her to ever think that I swept anything under the rug or that I didn't want her to remember her dad or anything like that. So it's just, it's just a tough balance to find. Do you have like a photo album or something with pictures of her and her dad or y'all when her dad was alive? Yeah, they do have pictures in their bedrooms. And then I do make like a family photo album every year of all of our pictures and kind of just document our year. Mm -hmm. And so the, the ones that we have from years ago, I still have those out with all of the new ones. And sometimes they'll go look through them, but not often. So they, they do have pictures and, and like I said, I'll bring him up anytime that I can, but it just really isn't a lot. Yeah. And they were so young. Yes. Really think about it. How much do you remember from being a four-year-old? Yeah. I don't remember anything. So, but, but she does, she, she has memories and I don't know if those memories will go away as she gets older, but she does remember some things. And so I think if you don't keep reminding her of those memories, they will go away. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Hey, you know, something you could do if you Mm -hmm. haven't already, which it sounds, I mean, girl, I'm telling you, you were like knocking this stuff out of the park, (laughs) but if you haven't already, maybe journal some of those memories. That yeah, that's true. She had with her dad. So when she turns sixteen, you can she can look back and say, "Oh yeah, mom wrote in the journal that dad took me or dad helped me learn to ride a bike or remember the time dad took me for ice cream or you know just something to yeah, help that's a good idea. Keep those memories, make, yeah, because you're going to forget them too. Oh, I know. And I think if I just sit down with her and ask her what memories she has, and then together we could write them down, I think that would be something helpful for her down the line. Yes. Yes. And then my, but my son, and and I think that's the, with my daughter, everyone has, I think, more empathy for her because she does remember. But then my son, he's like, well, I don't have any memories, you know? So he, he doesn't, it's like a different type of empathy for him because it's like, well, he actually doesn't even get to remember because he's too young. So yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be hard because you've got those two at different stages of this grief. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just throw in the chaos of blending. Mm -hmm. And so I just think everything is just, it can be overwhelming, even though it's a good, a good thing. Right. Yes. And I think it's great that your stepkids do seem to spend time with your kids and not just, oh, get away from us. Yeah, they do. And even the fighting. I don't know if you've read the article I wrote or I don't even know if it was an article. But anyway, when Jackson was fighting with the brothers, it was easy for me to jump in and stop it. But then David would tell the brothers, just leave him alone. Don't have anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. Some of the best memories I have are of me and my sisters fighting. Yeah. And I think that'll be the same thing with them. And I do feel as my stepson is getting a little bit older, his personality is changing a little bit and he's becoming like funnier. And I think he's becoming a little bit more mature. And so Mm -hmm. their fighting is kind of already changing a little bit. Yes. So I think, I think they, they will end up having a good relationship, but I think they'll probably just always fight to some extent. Right. And that fighting is bonding. (laughs) Yeah. 
And if you look at it as it is bonding, sibling bonding, then you look at it a little differently. Now, granted, if your stepson's punching her uh, or something yeah. like that, that's different. Yeah. I mean, if right. there's harm or if he's, a, a lot of kids will, or a lot of parents will say, oh, he's bullying my kid. You know, sometimes, yeah, they can. Yeah. But my sister was meaner than snot to me. <laughs> but the word bullying didn't exist back then. Right. It was, she's being a sister. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. So you have to be careful not to automatically assume that the stepkid is a bad kid and that they're bullying your kid. And I mean, my sister said some horrible things to me growing up. But again, I don't feel like that it damaged me because, girl, I fought right back. Yeah. (laughs) It just just helped me improve my tactics to attack her. Right. And that's how they are. You know, they they both just fight back. And so... I think they'll both be witty and able to always defend themselves, like, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just interesting. And it's just, like I said, it could just get exhausting in general, everything from the blend because it's just different. So it is. And again, you're a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You are doing great. And I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt because you are, you're so new into it. And you're doing things, what I'm going to say is the right way, that you're not going to have a lot of the problems that a lot of step parents have at year two. Year two is like the terrible twos of the blend. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully we can get through that. Okay. Because I found this early on. Yes. And have tried to change my thinking and my approach. So I, I just have to, I have to stay strong and, and keep reminding myself. And I've gone through and listened to a lot of the podcast episodes, and this is the first podcast I've ever even listened to. And I've taken notes. And so sometimes if I find myself, my negative thinking, or I find myself getting really stressed out, I just go back and read some of my notes Mm -hmm. And it helps because I just have to sometimes just remind myself, okay. And I think that one of the things that in another episode that you had talked about is if you can look at your spouse and grow, you want to grow old with them. And when you get through all of this, like, do you want to be with them? And it's like, yes, I do. He's a, he's a good stepdad. He's a great husband and he's just a good person. Mm-hmm. So we have to just get through this blend as successfully as we can get all these kids out of the house Mm -hmm. and then we can enjoy each other (laughs) as old adults. (laughs) Right. And so it helps to just, I mean, of course I don't want the kids to grow up too fast. That's what I was going to say is I just watched this thing on Facebook and it's an older lady. And she said, if I have any words of wisdom or something for you people, it's don't rush for the kids to get out of, yeah. <laughs> diapers. Don't rush for the kids to get out of school. Don't rush for the kids to get out of the house. Enjoy it in the moment. Yes. And that's what I've got to try to do is just enjoy things right now and appreciate that even though life is hard in a blended family, our lives are much better this way than had we stayed with my first husband. And right. You know, and so it's like life is good. Yes, it's challenging, but that's part of life and we can get through it. Yes. And your kids are seeing you in a happy, healthy relationship, which is what you want them to see so they can strive to have that when they get older. 
Yes, exactly. I want my kids to see me happy and I want all of the kids to see what a healthy relationship looks like because they wouldn't have gotten that with me and my first husband, with my husband and his first wife. Mm -hmm. They would not ever have seen what a healthy relationship looks like because obviously those marriages ended in divorce. And so now they can see that, okay, it's even harder the second time around Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when you have kids, but we were successful and we got through it and it it was a good thing, even though it was difficult. Right. And too many people nowadays, and I'm talking adults, think that marriages are disposable. Yes. And that's one thing I feel like that David and I taught all of our kids is we fought for our marriage. They saw us fight for our marriage. Yes. And they and- realized that, look, It wasn't easy. There were times that nobody wanted to be here, but look where we are now. Yes. And that's a great gift to be able to give to them. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I hope my kids see as well, because I, I feel like every time I have to tell my kids like, oh, someone is splitting up or because, you know, we've had family and friends who are and I feel like each time I tell them about someone divorcing or splitting up, I feel like it makes it look like it's just disposable. Like you said, like, it's just what everybody does. Right. And so I try to, to talk to them and, and, and but here I am who also has come from a divorce, but I try to talk to them and tell them. And hopefully by seeing it, like you said, they can see that we have a successful marriage, but it's just kind of discouraging when, everything around you falls apart or people that you know that you thought had great relationships end up splitting up. And it is very discouraging. It is. And I know I've got this post that I make that says something to the effect of don't give up on your relationship, work on the one you have because the next one's going to have the same challenges. Yeah. And you just have to start over. And you'll have the same problem. Right. But you know, a lot of people read into that and say, you're telling people to stay in abusive relationships. I'm like, what? Uh, No. Where did you get that? It's crazy. But we almost need to have a sign that says, if you think your nuclear family sucks, wait till you get in a blend. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because you're just going to take those nuclear family struggles and multiply them by a million. Yes. And it's it's hard. And even if you know, like I said, you know people on social media who are in these blends and they make it look so good. It's like, it's not. <laughs> and yes. I've always been one. I think I've always been one of those that says, you know, if you try to make something look really good on social media, it probably isn't that good. Yep. So I, I'm not one of those people, but it's hard sometimes when you can see see it and they're like, well, my blend isn't that way, you know, but. Right. And comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, it is. And I mean, we can apply that to anything. I get a brand new pair of shoes and I'm like, oh, I love my shoes. But then I see somebody just bought this $500 pair of tennis shoes and I'm like, well, I like those. And it (laughs) it takes away the love for my $50 shoes I just bought. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Or your house or your kids doing well in school. I'm you just have yeah. to, and you actually put this in the best advice, was don't compare your blend to nuclear families or other step families. Yeah. Don't compare your kids. Don't compare your relationship with your significant other. Don't compare. 
Right. And that's, that has really helped me, I think, through all of this too, is just trying to not compare and just accepting that we're not a nuclear family and it's okay not to be, and it's okay not to see someone else's kids as your own or anything like that. Right. Well, stepmom, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you have done through your podcasts and on social media and all of that. It's been very helpful for me. And that's why I I wanted to do this just because it's helped me so much. And I appreciate having the support because I, like I said, I don't, I didn't know anybody really in a similar situation. And sometimes even just reading on social media, some of the things other people are saying it's like you can relate to some of it. And mm-hmm. so it's just so helpful to see that, okay, there are a lot of people who have it very bad. And there are a lot of people that have a lot of different struggles. And it's it's nice just to see when I can relate with someone who has a similar struggle, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes you can read something on Facebook and you're like, oh my gosh, they've got it so much worse than I do. Yeah. (laughs) But that doesn't dismiss the struggles you're having. And it doesn't, what's the word I'm looking for, lessen the way that it's affecting you. But you can also read those posts and it scare you to death. Yes. (laughs) It's all about how you look at it. You can look at their post and be thankful you don't have those struggles, or you can look at their post and fear that you will have those in the future. And you have to pick the first one. Yeah, you do. And that's, and I, that's what I feel like I, it's really helped me to see those types of things that it's like, okay, you know, I, I don't have any really anything bad in my blend. It's just the stress in general, I Mm -hmm. think. So it's like, I I just have to learn how to manage my stress and not doing has really helped with that. Yes. And make sure that you, I know it's harder for you because you do have your kids full time, but make sure you get that self-care. Make sure you go get a pedicure every once in a while or you go to lunch with your friends or that you just sit and read a book and do nothing. Yes, that is very true. Yes. Well, I could talk to you all day, but I do (laughs) want to tell you that I am really, really impressed with you. And I think you're going to do great because you have started off in such a good place and you're open-minded. You're not shut down to things that might help you. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again and stay in touch. Let us know how things are going in a couple of years. Alrighty. We'll do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. One thing that anonymous stepmom said is her husband treats her kids as his own, but does not parent much. Think about that, people. You can treat them as your own without parenting like they are. Yep. That's it. Yeah. There's there you know, there's some interesting aspects to that. I had a heard heard a conversation. I was kind of not part of the conversation, but next to it. Um, oh, you were eavesdropping. No, I was there. I was in the circle of people that were talking, but I wasn't one being talked to or anything. Uh, the guy says that he he treated his stepkids like his own, and he's got a fantastic relationship with them. And he believes that's one of the secrets to step family success. And I was like, okay, I mean that's that's what he experienced, right? And I'm and I'm okay with that. And then, but later in the conversation, he starts talking about how. 
his relationship with his own kids is in shambles. And I'm like, wait a minute. It might be. Now, I don't know this, but it might be because you had such a great relationship with those stepkids. Maybe they resent you for treating them the same. I don't know. But maybe you were more focused on the relationship with your stepkids than your own kids. Yeah. And it's like you've, you're doing so much to make sure that this stepkid relationship is really good because you love your spouse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I understand why you do it, but don't forget your, your kids are sitting there looking at this and sometimes they're okay with it. And other times they're not. And you need to be, what's the word? Aware of it. Cognizant. There you go. That's too big for me. But yes. So, and I don't know, again, I don't know if this was the case here, but it was just interesting that the first part of the conversation, it sounds like everything's hunky-dory. And then later in the conversation, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Things are great with your stepkids and not your biological kids. Um, so things aren't 100% great. Uh, but that can happen in any kind of family. And I'm not saying it's because he loved his stepkids like his own. But I would venture to say that that probably didn't help matters any, especially when he says, I still have a fantastic relationship with him. We go out and do all this other stuff. I don't do it with my biological kids. Yeah. So think about this too. Our kids have said they wouldn't like it if we treated the the respective stepkids as our own. They don't even like it if I treat e- all of them equally. <laughs> they all they all want to be. <laughs> when I say treat them as their own, I think we actually said, how would you feel if I loved such and such stepkid as much as I love you, my bio kid? Yeah. And they were like, no, I'm part of you. You're my parent. That's a special bond. Mm-hmm. And you can't replicate that. Yeah. And that is something that all of the kids have said. Well, all the ones we've asked. <laughs> you know, I, I'm the, we could go down and talk about this for an hour, but I don't know that people can really treat their kids the same, whether stepkids or bio kids. When you really get down to it, I didn't treat any of my kids exactly the same. No, because they were all different. So I don't, I don't know when somebody says, I treat all my kids the same. I treat my stepkids the same. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you do to a degree. Like if you go to get ice cream, you get everybody ice cream. Or if you allow one person, you know, to, to do something, then the other ones can, can do it also. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know that once you get down into the details, the smaller things, then I doubt you do. And you shouldn't, I don't think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's enough of that. (laughs) All right. Don't forget, not long before the Step Family Summit goes live. I'm I'm ready. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. And also, don't forget, if you want to be entered for the chance to win a Nacho Kids mini book, Go to nachokids.com slash mini book. And that's M-I-N-I-B-O-O-K. All right. Until next time. Take it easy and don't be sleazy. It's not what you're (laughs) supposed to remember. (laughs) 
You're supposed to remember that life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.